This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is time for the final segment of this edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Do us a favor, if you would, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Turn on that auto download every time we push a show. Guess what? It'll be right there on your phone, your iPad, wherever you're listening to us, and you will get to spend your quality time. With Mo and Scott. Yes, we are your buddies in the box, the phone, wherever you're, the car. We got people who work out to us, Mo. I love that people are working out and sweating, improving themselves as they listen to the show. I'm glad they're not listening to 50 Cent and they're tuning in to us because that, <laughs> that gives me some uh, some more street cred out there. Like, you know, listen, people listen to me. They don't listen to 50 in the club or or whoever the younger <laughs> kids are listening to their drill music. I, I know it. Yes, I know what drill music is. It's popular out here in New York City. A lot of people, I will say that drill music is, while it's not productive, not great music, uh, material-wise, great workout tracks there. But I, I'm, I'm thankful that people would it, rather listen to us. For the is, is it music made with a drill? What the hell is drill music? <sighs> I'm exactly. old. I'm older. You're younger than me. You're not. You're not exactly twenty, but you're younger than me. What the hell is drill music? Is it hip hop? Is what is it? Or is it like house? Is it electronic it's a music? Different. It's a very different brand of rap. I oh, okay. I'll explain it to you off air because okay, gotcha. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, what's that word? I I don't want to not contaminate. I don't want to corrupt <laughs> a portion of our audience. So I'll gotcha. tell you off air. Okay, that makes sense. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> Whatever we can do to make sure our listeners stick around, at least the ones that still like us. Uh, that That's good. That's good. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you what. One of the things that I saw after the game, and believe me, I said it during the game, too, on Sunday, Mo, is I said, listen, the lack of pass rush is going to kill the Raiders against this 49ers team. Okay? And sure enough, that's what happened. Chandler Jones was out. You had Denzel Perryman out. You, in essence, had... Uh, two backups and a practice squad linebacker that I even forgot was on the roster um, playing at linebacker the entire game. And then you had the trouble in the backfield. You had Nate Hobbs. And I want to talk about it because I was very critical of Nate Hobbs, but you on Monday brought up the key point with Nate Hobbs that I think our listeners need to hear. We'll talk about that in a second. But this defense, there's still a lot of hate for Patrick Graham. And, and I don't think people, I think that's an emotional response and that's cool. You're a fan. No problem. 
But when you look at how this defense and where it's improved at times, is it good enough? No, it's nowhere near good enough uh, where it needs to be for this team to be competitive in the AFC race. But you have seen improvement in areas over time at times. And I think Patrick Graham's system and what he's doing and what he wants his players to do sunk in somewhere around the beginning of that, that, that win streak. Because we've seen the Raiders' defense over the last nine games improve in many, many ways. It still has major failures at key moments, but it has gotten better. Um, and then it's been decimated by injuries, and, and we talked about that with Sunday's game. But overall, when you look at this, and we're going to do a full evaluation after the season, but is a lot of the fan narrative and our and, and even some media narrative around how bad this defense is, 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 is that really indicative of the job that Patrick Graham is doing, or is that unfair to him? I think as a coordinator, he has to bear some of the blame, right? Because mm -hmm. he is the mm -hmm. one pulling the strings. But to your point, the Raiders had four straight games where they gave up 20 or fewer points. That's not counting the Chandler Jones walk-off, uh, the stiff six as our guy, Derek Carr's hair, who changed his name, by the way, to Jared Stidham's hair on Twitter. <laughs> um, he called it the stiff six, and I like that nickname. But not counting that that touchdown, the Raiders' uh, defense gave up, again, 20 or fewer points in four consecutive games. So. Yep. You also have to look at, as you said, they, there were there was a stretch of improvement. Now, Patrick Graham deserves some some criticism early in the season, especially especially when mm -hmm. the defense falls apart and the, and the Raiders are scoring points. But I will say that I don't want to say that the cupboard is bare for the defense because you do have Max Crosby, Chandler Jones started to come on late. Jerry Tilly was a good addition. Jerron Harmon has played well this year in good in good spots. Nate Hobbs, eh, kind of iffy. But I think you're going to have to understand that the Raiders are probably not going to get rid of Patrick Graham in the yeah. offseason. He's going to no. get another year with, with a full draft class because I, I would assume that the Raiders are going to draft high at certain premium positions on, a, yep. on the defense, specifically at cornerback. Uh, I think they still need a linebacker, even though it's not viewed as a premium position. The Raiders haven't had a steady linebacker in how many years. They're probably going to get another interior defensive lineman. But So we know all the holes that this defense has. So with that, that I don't want to say it gives Patrick Graham a pass, mm -hmm. but it, it'll extend his tenure and say, well, he's not fully to blame because the Raiders didn't have enough pieces on the defensive side of the ball, and that is the correct assessment. So for the people yelling, fire Patrick Graham, get rid of Patrick Graham, bring in someone else, it's probably not going to happen. The Raiders are going to give him more pieces to work with in 2023. Not only that, but you're going to tell me you want your third defensive coordinator. I mean, he is the third defensive coordinator. You want your fourth mm -hmm. defensive coordinator in four years? That you get into trouble, too, because you're drafting players based on the system, too, right, to fit into that mm -hmm. system. And so Patrick Graham, like you said, hasn't had the opportunity to get any of those bodies in there. Um, they've tried to patch it together the best they can with the Tillery edition and others. Um, and so so to me, yeah, I listen, to your point, has he done perfectly? No, just like Josh McDaniels deserves a ton, a ton of criticism for how he's managed games and coached this season. No question. They got to get better next year or, or the hot, the seat will get very hot, but you also need bodies on that side. Before we get to that equation, let's talk about a guy you and I raved and raved and raved about all off season between Nate Hobbs and Trayvon Morig. We really talked about how great these guys could be and that the Raiders might've struck gold with these two players. Nate Hobbs, since his injury especially, even earlier than that, has really struggled. And, and the key here for folks who aren't into X's and O's, right, which is most people, 
And this is why when you when you tweeted about it to somebody who was asking you about it on Monday, I quickly noted it down for the show. And that is Nate Hobbs is playing in a different spot. Last year, he played in the slot. Talk to people about why that's an issue and perhaps why uh, Nate Hobbs is struggling in that position playing more outside versus the slot. Now, I will say someone on Twitter, I was conversing with someone on Twitter who played the cornerback position and pointed out that it's easier to play on the boundary than playing the slot. While that yeah. is true, let's remember that when you when Nate Hobbs came out of college, right, came out of Illinois, he was an outside corner. Mm-hmm. And then on the pro level, because Bradley decided to use him as a slot guy, he played exceptionally well. So just remember that just because a player plays in a certain spot on the collegiate level, they may be better suited for a different spot on the pro level. Mm-hmm. Like we're seeing more of Meek Robinson playing in the slot, right? And and he had a pick against the uh, <laughs> against the 49ers and saw <laughs> sure guy. Did. So just keep in mind that just because you played a certain position in college doesn't mean that's going to be your position on the pro level. Now, on top of that with Nate House, as you pointed out, he played primarily in the slot as a rookie. Then he shifts outside this year. So he just may be a better slot defender than he is a boundary In the defender. pros, right. And on the pro level, even yeah. though, generally speaking, the slot position is a lot harder because you got to know, as Amik Robinson came on the show, he explained it to us. I yeah. asked him, what's the difference? I, I had an idea, but I wanted him to explain to our, our audience. And he talked about run fits. And he said, on the mm-hmm. boundary, you also have that extra help of the sideline. So I get that the, that the boundary position generally speaking, is an easier spot. But when you talk about fit on the pro level, some guys are better on the outside. Some guys yeah. are better on the, in the slot. And that may be the case for Nate, for Nate Hobbs. He's allowed over a, a 113 passer rating in coverage. He's allowing 73% a completion rate in coverage. Not very good com- compared to what he played, how he played as a rookie. So I think maybe you would want to think about moving him back to the slot as a primary slot defender. Now, keep in mind, he is playing both slot and on the outside. And outside more yeah. A lot more on the outside, but he he has double duty. So when the Raiders are in nickel, you'll see him in the slot. When the Raiders are in base and there are two cornerbacks out there, you'll see him on the outside. But having to juggle those two positions isn't an easy task. And yeah. I relate it to when I talk about offensive linemen. I know it's not the same position, but people assume that every left tackle can play right tackle and vice versa. <laughs> not the same. You know, you're playing on the opposite side of the line. As I've said, offensive linemen have explained it as playing with your other hand yeah. or doing things with your opposite dominant, not your dominant hand. Yeah. So when it comes to being a cornerback, a slot cornerback and an outside cornerback, there are different skill sets involved. They're different. You have to have different abilities there. So it's not a seamless transition all the time. And I think that's partially to um, why he's tapering off. And again, maybe you consider moving him back to strictly in the slot next year. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think I listen, I don't think the kids lost his talent and I'm not trying to be hard on him because he struggled. It's just fact. I mean, the 49er game, uh, you saw it wide open again. He just really struggled against that that offense and against Brock Purdy. So we'll see. Hopefully he can bounce back. I mean, they need they need him. Uh, and Amik Robertson's improved again. He's he's gotten better, but he is he is a role player guy. And I think Nate Hobbs can be that starter. But the Raiders need to go get bodies, and the draft is coming up. You talked about premium uh, defensive positions in the draft, not only cornerback, but safety, linebacker, interior defense, even another defensive end. Chandler Jones is not getting younger. They have needs all over that. Um, When you look at that, and we're going to do a deep dive once we get to the offseason, but when you look at that, I I think that the Raiders, listen, if they have a top, their top seven now, 
draft pick. If they move up one more slot or they stay where they're at, they're going to have the ability to either get or trade up for what could perhaps be a, a franchise quarterback for their future. And I think they do that no matter what. I don't. I know about all the defensive needs, but you only get to be in that position in the top top eight very, very rarely, maybe more so for the Raiders over the last 20 years than they'd like to admit. But nonetheless, you have to go get that quarterback, especially this year if you're there. If not, um, um, you're definitely going to go down further into that second, third, fourth, and the, and the higher rounds to get, or lower rounds to get these defensive players. The draft is deep at certain positions, but from a free agent standpoint, um, it's going to be tough, Mo, right? Because the money... They have a lot. They have a lot to spend under the cap space. But again, as Mo, as excuse me, as Murph talked about on his show last week, explaining to people why a rookie quarterback deal helps you win a championship. Actually, build a team to win a championship. He gave all the examples. This is the same thing on defense. If you're going to build a stout defense, yes, you'll go get some free agents, but you really need to produce it through the draft. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Absolutely. And I think, I think one, of the, one of the points I want to emphasize is that I remember... Dave Ziegler spoke, I believe it was in Sarasota, Florida. And he said, if you're spending in free agency, it's because you whiffed at certain positions and you yeah. got to patch up holes. Now, we all know that how the Raiders have drafted in previous years, so Dave Ziegler's going to have to do some cleaning up there. But I don't think he's going to want to – no GM wants to spend recklessly, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders spending is not what people think it is. I, I think, as you just brought up, I think they're going to spend a lot – not spend, but I think they're going to – go a lot to the draft to to fill a lot of holes. Now, I know that makes the team young, but as Murph pointed out on his show, you have to have a mix of veterans and guys who are playing at a high level on their mm-hmm. rookie deals to be successful because then you can load up at certain positions if you need to. But I, I think with assuming Derek Carr is traded, the best case scenario for the Rays would be that Derek Carr goes for a first-rounder. I'm not saying he will go for a first-rounder. I'm saying there are teams that are out there just before a quarterback who I think may think about offering the Raiders a one. That would be the best case scenario because then you can draft your if you don't package those ones together. Let's say you get a one and maybe a, a let's say you get a, even if you get a two and a three, right? You can start packaging picks together, get your quarterback in the first round, and also move back up into the first round. We've seen teams do this in recent oh, yeah. drafts where where they they have a draft pick in the first round, but they'll trade back into the first round with their seconds and thirds to get a player that they want. I think the Raiders should consider that they really Mm -hmm. like a defensive player in the back end of the first round let's say it's a corner or an edge rusher or a linebacker go ahead up and get that guy because he can help your defense yeah and i think they're gonna have i mean even if the if listen if Carr's doing scorched earth like we talked about in the last segment um then maybe he just waits it out and walks away as a free agent there's risk inherently for him there because he's not guaranteed the deal as if he gets traded so, so we'll see what happens there. But, but they also have Darren Waller, who I still think they should move and get picks for as well to get younger. So they, they might have that opportunity. And if they do have a wealth of picks, then, yeah, they can, they can trade up in that first round or even early second round. There's, there's so much defensive talent there this year that that early second round is pretty much like a first round in other years. So, so I think there's opportunity to do that. So it's going to be fascinating. And we're going to, of course, 
cover it all here on Silver and Black today, uh, all season as well. Uh, but we are to the end of this first show of the week on Tuesday. We're going to be back on Thursday. Remember, the Raiders play Saturday, so we're going to have a show Saturday, of course, after the game. And on Thursday, we'll have that. We'll also incorporate the mail into Thursday's show, Mo, as we preview the big game. And I say big game. Yes, the Raiders are out of the playoffs, but they have a way, they have an opportunity to spoil it a little bit for the Kansas City Chiefs as they roll into Allegiant Stadium. That's going to be a fun one to talk about, Mo. Yeah, someone on Twitter also brought to me that is there a possibility, I think it's Les Mitchell on Twitter. Shout out to Les Mitchell, by the way, because he's one of the rational Raider fans. He brought to me, (laughs) he was worried about if the Raiders may rest guys because they're out of playoff contention. And I responded to him. I said, think of it this way. Josh Jacobs has a chance to wrap wrap up winning the rushing title. I don't think he's going to pass that up going into free agency. He's going to want to be out there. And the other thing is you have Jared Stidham out there, and being that he's probably going to be in your QB plans, you want him to get out there and get snaps with Devontae Adams, with Darren Waller, with Hunter Renfro, because at this point you don't know for sure who's going to stay and go, but you want to at least give him that experience with the guys on the field, with your core offensive players. Yeah, especially you want that offense to be full strength for him, just like they were against the 49ers. Um, and keep showcasing Darren Waller. Darren Waller ha- had a great game, obviously, and I think they'll need to do that too. So, yeah, I, I agree, man. All right, Mo. Well, listen, man, we will talk to you on Thursday. Hopefully I have my Stidham jersey by then. Yeah. Oh, by the way, before we, for- <laughs> before we forget, um, what do you got coming up here people need to read? Well, actually, I'm going to take a look at where Stidham fits. Mm. Is Stidham a fit in the Raiders' future QB plans? I'll go into why he is. I kind of spoiled it for myself on the show, but that's what I do here on Silver and Black today. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna talk about where he fits in the plans. Again, I'm not saying that he's going to be the guy because a lot of people have changed their <laughs> profile pics and they got their Stidham Twitter handle names. They're very creative <laughs> and they're very funny. But as I said on this show, I, I think he's going to be in the plans, but he at, at the very least... He's going to be a backup lurking in the scenes. Now, it all depends on do the Raiders get a rookie and get another bridge? Is he the bridge quarterback that leads you to a rookie? I'll get into that in the column. I got fans DMing me this this last few days saying they swear to God that this was the plan all along, that the reason they got Stidham was because McDaniels and Ziegler (sighs) believe so strongly in him that he is the guy, not just the bridge guy. But the guy, now, I'm not going to go that far. I told them, eh, well, time will tell, right? I don't think that's the case. But there's people who are believing it. So a lot of people are getting on that train, which, again, I understand it's fans. It's something new. Uh, they feel excited. He went out and balled in his first game. But let's let's pump the brakes just a little bit. Did you hear the conspiracy theories that Joshua Daniels set up Derek Carr to fail purposely so they could start drafting <laughs> him? So yeah, he he meant to piss off Devontae Adams. Yeah, he meant sure. to cause some some strife in the locker room to, to right. put himself on the hot seat for us. I'm sure he did. Right, just like he didn't call the same plays. Well, yeah, like when if I have a hitter who in baseball who's a power hitter, I'm not going to have them bunt. Right. I mean, people have different strengths. You play to the strength of the player at the position, and so you saw rollout plays. For Jared Stidham, you didn't see for Derek Carr because he can run them better. It's not a knock on Derek Carr. It's just different. So everybody, yeah, everybody's got their feelings hurt, and I get it. And hopefully, uh, man, I'll tell you what, a win over the Chiefs on Saturday might uh, might might heal some wounds. It might heal some wounds, but I think this is this is this is I don't want to over exaggerate. I don't want to be hyperbolic because yeah. you know I don't like to do that. But right. this this is the biggest game in 
our biggest moment in Jared Stidham's career. Yes. I know he has to start, so obviously, yeah. But in this in this game, he can put himself in the running to be that bridge gap quarterback. And yes. if he looks good against Patrick Mahomes, let's say he has a duel with Patrick Mahomes, the game is 45-44, and the Raiders win the game. Best case scenario, right? Then you have to start looking at Jared Stidham in a different light, and I think that's going to be a whole <laughs> other conversation. Yeah, and and you know what? If he plays anywhere near that, it might be that because this Chiefs defense is nowhere near as good as the 49ers. They're, they're good. They're not great. They're middle of the road. Uh, and so if he can do it against the 49ers, but the Chiefs and Andy Reid uh, and that group have a lot of film now from at least one game that they can study that they didn't have before. So we'll see how they prep for it. And that's pretty good coaching staff. So we'll see. All right, Mo, we will talk to you on Thursday, my friend. It should be fun. All right. Uh, I want to thank all of you for joining us. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast again. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe down below. Hit that bell. You see the bell right down there? Hit that so you get a notification anytime we have a new video. For our producer, David Stepanian, for my partner, Mo Moten, I'm Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black today. Have a great week, Raider Nation. <laughs>